You are listening to the Twibbly Podcast, or This Week Was Way Better Last Year. Comedy podcast looking back at This Week in History. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Podbean, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. You can find us and or message us over on Facebook and Instagram using TWWWBLY. Back to Twibbly, or this week was way better last year. My name is Bill with one L. With me, he's working in a coal mine, working on town, working in a coal mine. Woo! He's about to get down. It's Mr. <laughs> Jeff McLaughlin. Hey, everybody. The sound you hear behind me is, is the uh, the pickaxe I'm using on a seam of coal. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Don't you know who that's the sound? What's going on? How are you? Oh, good. I, it was funny you bring that song up. That was the song that opened up the movie Heavy Metal. Oh, Remember? wow. Hey, guess what I got this week? What did you got this week? Or actually, I should say, guess what we got this week? We got a message. <laughs> a message? Uh, we, yeah, we got a message from a listener out in Cincinnati, Ohio, named Taylor. Nice. And yep, and she wanted to know how, <laughs> how come, since we apparently grew up together... How come I have a mad, crazy accent and you don't? Ah. (laughs) It's strange because, as we've said many times on this show, you and I both grew up kind of together. We've been friends since we were 14 or 15 years old. Yeah, about about 15. Yeah, yeah. about that, right? Yeah, about 15, right? We both went to the same high school, grew up in the same city, spent a ton of our time together as 20-year-olds and stuff. Yeah. My accent has been intentionally removed. (laughs) So I'll tell you why that is. I went to college overseas. I went to, to school in England where the accents are thick. Yes. And I was roommates with a guy who was from the Cape, uh, also named Bill. Bill Kelly. Oh. Shout out to Bill Kelly if he's listening. We integrated very quickly in this very small campus, like 100 people on this campus. And we all lived in the same building. We had a bar in the building. Like, we were all together. It was like the Brady Bunch, exponentially larger. But what same. did they just segregate all the Americans? No, they, we, they, we were all mixed in together. It was okay. great. Proof positive that groups of dissimilar people can live in the same space and not murder each other <laughs> um, if there's enough alcohol. I happened to throw darts well enough to, to win a spot on the school darts team. Uh, it's pronounced ca- darts, okay? I, uh, I came back to my room <laughs> where my roommate Bill and some other local, ch- local college students from different cultures were hanging around drinking. And I was all excited, and I was like, oh, my God, it's great. I got, I just threw some dots, and I got on the school dots team, and it's, oh, woo. And said, I, I, I can't believe how, how well my, I threw the dots. It was great. And one of the, the guys, a guy named Rahul Raghavan, he looks at me, oh, and he goes, a fr- yes. A Frenchie. A Frenchie. He's from uh, Lesotho. He had the most English accent in the world. He goes, you, you did what then? And I said, <laughs> I, threw, I threw dots at the dot board. He goes, do you mean darts? And I was like, yeah. And... <laughs> And then everybody cracked up laughing. I was like, huh. And then I counted all the letters in the alphabet, and there's 26. But in the Massabet, Massachusetts alphabet, there's only 25 because there's no R. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm I'm going to put this letter back into my vocabulary. I consciously worked myself into adding that letter back in so that the first time I came back from England and I went out 
to my brother Aaron was working as a cook. Yeah. And I ordered a beer. And the bartender looked at me like I had just flown in from another country because I kind of had. Because I didn't ask for beer, you know. What kind of beer you got here? <laughs> beer? What kind of beer do you have on tap? And he's like, beer. And I was like, yeah, beer. And he's like, beer? Beer, 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 beer. And I've purposely tried to keep that from happening. But every now and then it slips. You've also been living north of Boston for the last 30 years, so. That's true. Yeah, I'm starting to do things like call soda, tonic, you know. <laughs> Whenever I worked down in Florida, I worked at a, um, a Florida with an R at the end of it. Florida. Uh, yeah, whenever I worked down there at a Renaissance Fair, I ran the dart game. The locals were, like, laughing at me because apparently with my accent and their ears, the word dot, because you have to throw the dart at the dot, at the red dot. Apparently, yes. I say those two words exactly the same way. Yes. I don't think so, but that's what they hear, yeah. Yeah, it's really strange. When you become made aware of it, mm-hmm. and you find yourself going like, geez, you know, everybody here does have a different kind of accent, but everybody's trying to really hard to be understood, mm-hmm. that you start analyzing the way that you talk and, and trying to change it so that it is, you're less regional and <laughs> more worldly, as weird as that sounds. But yeah, that's, that's the answer. Yep. Dear listener, I lived someplace and got made fun of, and therefore I now say my R's. <laughs> I used to be friends with this girl from England named Karita, and we both would have to talk very slow and clearly to one another because her accent and my accent were both so thick we couldn't understand each other, even though we're both speaking English. Hey, uh, speaking of Florida, you know what they have a ton of in Florida? Walmarts. Oh Yes, and that brings us to our very popular and always well-received trivia question. Mm. Out of everything that Walmart sells, and they do sell a bunch of stuff, what is their number one product that they sell? Uh, Okay, so I'm going to ask clarifying questions. You can just tell me to shut up if you need to. No hints. (laughs) No hints. No, not a hint. Is this Walmart branded products or any product in the store? Any product in the store. Okay. Pajama (laughs) bottoms, no. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's a good guess, though. All right. <laughs> yeah. So this is the week beginning, March the 21st, and my extensive record-keeping shows me that it is your turn to start. It is. It's a good thing that it's my turn to start because it's an auspicious day in rock and roll history. Go on. <laughs> I'm going to describe for you the greatest and the very first rock and roll concert. It is festooned with artists who would go on to become legendary stars and define the genre of rock and roll. Are you ready? Because in 1952, DJ Alan Freed presents the Moondog Coronation Ball at the old Cleveland Arena. Okay. 25,000 people show up, and it is monstrous. And 25,000? That's a 25, lot. 25,000, that's a lot of people, yeah. yeah. That's like the Providence Civic Center plus 10,000 people. I think Providence Civic Center is only 15 grand, right? Yeah, I was, I was about to say uh, TD Bank is probably about 25. TD grand. Bank is about 25. That's a ton of people. Yeah. Those 25,000 people, Bill, they came to see these amazing acts. Imagine being the first person to see live Paul Williams, Danny wait, Cobb. Wait, wait, not Paul Williams, like the from the Muppet Show guy, right? Nope. No, no, no. Nope. No, because, yeah, he'd only be like 11 or 12 years old if that was right. the case, right? Danny Cobbs, Tiny Grimes, Verena <laughs> Dillard. The Dominoes and uh, many other acts. I'm going to make believe I recognize Dominoes, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I might have that confused with the pizza chain. 
right? But that was the first rock concert, though. Right. That's the first rock and roll concert. That's cool. I'm looking at a ticket stub for it right now. Do you know how much it costs to get into this extravaganza of awesomeness? 25 cents. A dollar fifty. Whoa, I was way off. I've seen a number of... That's actually first-generation rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to say, like, maybe second generation. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of them. I've seen Little Richard. Yeah. Uh, I saw The Drifters. Oh, yeah, okay. They were fun. They were a fun show. And I've seen Ringo Starr. You ever, uh, you ever see any, like, real old-timers like that? In Live and in person, no. I did very, very recently watch 81-year-old Ringo Starr drum for Joe Walsh playing Funk 49 on some, like, YouTube video. And it was it looked like an AARP meeting because everybody there is, like, in their 70s, except oh, for Ringo yeah. Starr, who's 81. He looks awesome. 13 minutes. He was jamming the whole time. I could not believe it. Joe Walsh looked terrible when he was in the Eagles. He, so. he looked terrible when he recorded Funk 49 with the James Gang, and he looked like he was 11 with a yeah. paste-on mustache. Yeah, he always looked like somebody who was on the edge of instant death. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next day. Jeff, I am not embarrassed to admit that I spent a good deal of my teens and early 20s as a mall rat. Well, it would be weird if you were embarrassed about it because I'm pretty sure I was hanging out with you there all the time that you were there. So I would feel bad if you were embarrassed for all the time that we hung out together. Embarrassed to be seen with you. That's what it was. Yes. I loved the mall when I was a kid. If we had our little time machine and our time machine could take us to Edina, Minnesota in the year 1956... March the 22nd, exactly, of 1956 is when the first indoor mall opened, which was actually fully enclosed and air-conditioned. You know, it doesn't surprise me that the first indoor mall was in Minnesota because it's pretty much the dead of winter there for like 11.5 months a year. Yes, I, oh, jeez, let's go to the mall. It's either that or, you know, you're shopping from igloo to igloo outside and potentially die of uh, <laughs> frostbite between the Newport Creamery and the uh, record town. But uh, those first shopping centers were a super big deal. I'm surprised it went as far back as 56, though. I thought they were for sure like an early 60s phenomenon. But it's amazing to think that from that one place in in Minnesota, spread out and destroyed downtowns across America, really kind of did, you know? Well, that's probably why you're thinking like the 60s is because it started in Minnesota and it's going to take a a little while for word to get out, you know, considering it's in Minnesota. Yeah, man, the mall days, it's really funny. One of my uh, my best friends from those days, and, and to this day, uh, is a girl named Jen. And mm-hmm. she actually lives maybe, you know, like three blocks away from the mall where we hung out, the North Dartmouth wow. Mall. Like her daughter and her son were like, we, oh, yeah, we want to go hang at the mall. And she's like, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she, she doesn't let her kids hang at the mall, even though she oh. was like a staple over there. Yeah, it's really Oh, funny. my gosh. Oh, I loved it. It was a great place to like catch up with friends and waste money. And I don't know, it was, it was a weird freedom place. Like even when I was a little kid, going to the mall with my mom was like a big deal. It was a really fun afternoon. And the first place I was allowed to go and hang around with friends that wasn't in the neighborhood was Saturday mornings. My mom would drop me off at the mall and I would go and meet a friend or two when I was like 12 and would walk around and eat pizza, go play video games, and and hang out for like three or four hours. Oh, yeah. It was kind of like a babysitter, too. Like your parents could be like, okay, you know, here's $8. You go to the movies, and then when you come out, you can play some video games, and we'll pick you up at 6. You know? Be at the entrance for 6, or I'll kill you. Yeah. Like I said, unashamed mall rat. My first band, even though it was named after a song, but my first band was called Market Square Heroes, and... Mm -hmm. 
I always said it was just a fancy way of saying mall rat because we all hung out at the mall. It was like you said, it was a it was a central meeting place for teenagers. I can't say those days are gone because I don't know. I don't hang out at the mall. I hope. It's still like a central meeting place for teenagers. It's not. They're like a wasteland of... It's not like that anymore. I, and I have teenagers. A teenager and a 20-year-old. And yeah. when I go to the mall, it's it's not the same. Yeah, it's different. And I, I don't want to say, that's too bad, because I am not one of those people that say that every generation should live how my generation did. Right. All I know is that I had a lot of fun at that time, for sure. Oh, I did too. I, I had a great time. All right. Let's move on to the 23rd. All right, before we get to our uh, standard uh, day, we have a quick quip from the man we refer to as super genius, Vice President Dan Quayle. Friend of the show. When speaking to the Phoenix Republican Forum, he said, this is a quote for those of you who are following along at home, if we do not succeed, we run the risk of failure. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we do, Dan. Mission accomplished. But that's not the whole thing we've got. So He's uh, a potato. He's a potato. March 23rd, 1929. Pay attention to that year. Because that's the yeah. year that the very first telephone is installed at the president's desk in the White House. What year? 1929. And it's installed for President Herbert Shantytown Hoover. <laughs> Do you remember we talked not that long ago about how the phone came to be? Right. How when the phone came to be? Do you remember when the phone came to be? Off the top of my head? No. About but... 50 years before 1929. Yeah. yeah, I was about to say it was in the 1800s, right. Yeah. yeah, 1874 is when it was invented. By 1879, it was all over the place. Right. So think about the government of the United States being like not having a phone for the president to use until 50 years after it was invented. That would be like somebody saying, trying to describe to uh, President Biden, like, Mr. President, they, they have these wireless devices now that you can carry around that, that are like telephones. They'd be like, get out of town <laughs> and you can't have one. But I want one. And no, we're going to wait like another 12 years before we put one in that guy's pocket. You know? Yeah. It's, uh, that would be like the White House not being cooked up to the Internet. <laughs> Right? Or not having electricity. Yeah, yeah they're, they're closed for business because the sun went down. You know? what, what the hell did they have? Did they have, like, the tin cans with the string? Right. Or maybe, like, the tubes like they have in submarines? Right, yeah, exactly. You blow on them, like, and then you foof, and it takes off down the tube. You don't see so many of them anymore. I, I watch a lot of C-SPAN, Bill, as our audience oh. knows. You don't see a lot of, like, Senate pages or or congressional pages anymore and those are the teenagers typically that used to run back and forth between congress and the white house and stuff to bring information and messages back and forth so i'm going to guess that that was how they did it prior to 29 and probably after 29 for a long time as well where rather than pick up the phone and dial and go like yeah connect me to the speaker of the house you'd be like here harold take this note and you'd scribble a note and says like you smell love Grover Cleveland, and then take this over to the Speaker of the House. <laughs> He'd run over with that note. Now poor Timmy's out of a job thanks to technology. Right. We used to call that analog texting. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to, oh, the 24th, Jeff. We have a weird holiday. One of my favorites. What do we have? How do we celebrate? What do we do? What's the day? March the 24th. Get your party hats on. Right, I got it. It is, it is chocolate-covered raisin day. Ew. What do you mean, ooh? I freaking... <laughs> dude, Raisinets are the best, dude. That's I, like Raisinets and Goobers. Well, Goobers are chocolate-covered peanuts, man. You can't get better than chocolate-covered peanuts, but... Yes, you can. Raisinets. I admit, 
I come to the chocolate-covered raisin camp uh, in my old age. As a child, I would not eat these. What are you saying? It's an old person candy? I'm I'm not. Look, I don't want to say that chocolate-covered raisins, Bill, are an old person's candy, but I I will say this, and I hate to generalize, but every single person that eats chocolate-covered raisins is an old person, Bill. I've been eating Raisinets my whole damn life. It's always been one of my favorite candy. And my, my grandmother used to give them to me when I was a little kid. That's a, oh my God. <laughs> See? My grandmother was an old person. Your grandmother was an old person, Bill. It's, I know it's terrible to learn this so late in life, but my dad oh my God, used to get Raisinets. And he used to get Raisinets the few times that we would go to the movies with him because he knew that I wouldn't ask for any. If he got Junior <laughs> Mints, I'd ask for them. If I If he got... Good and Plenty, still my favorite, which no one likes but me. That's an old person candy. That's an old person candy. But he'd get Raisinets and I'd be like, nope, there's fruit in them things and I don't like them. (laughs) Now I'm like, what was I thinking? These things are amazing. Also, my teeth are killing me. This is causing tremendous dental pain. (laughs) Chocolate covered Raisins Day. I'm going to be celebrating because I do enjoy a Raisinette from time to time. Hey, Jeff, before you get on to the 25th, I want to see your Dan Quayle and raise you a Hank Johnson. Who's Hank Johnson? Hank, Hank Johnson was a uh, was a congressman, right? Yep. And, and this is only 2010. This is only, like, you know, 12 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. On March 25th, 2010, uh, your friend of mine, Hank Johnson, was concerned about military installations over in Guam. So our friend Hank Johnson said... You know, my big fear is that the whole island will become so overly populated that it'll tip over and capsize. The island of Guam would capsize like a boat? (laughs) Uh, You know what? If I ever find myself on Jeopardy, I want Hank Johnson and I want super genius Vice President Dan Quayle as my opponents. The funniest part about all this is Admiral Robert F. Willard replied to Hank's concern with, yeah, we don't anticipate that happening. (laughs) I mean, what else do you say? It's one of those, either I'm going to give you the simplest answer in the universe, which is, yeah, that's probably not a worry, and just forget that you said anything, or I'm going to have to start to explain to you boats. And if I have to start to explain to you boats, I've already lost this conversation. (laughs) All right, so what do you actually have for the 25th? For the 25th, I have 1983, Michael Jackson performs the first moonwalk. Not a walk on the moon, but his what became his, his signature iconic dance move. He performed it during... A recording of Billie Jean that was being taped for a 25th anniversary show of Motown, which was going to air in May. But I guess the audience that saw it, you know, like the Darth Vader moment at the end of Empire Strikes Back, no spoilers, where people were coming out of it going like, you got the thing with the shoes. I've never seen such a, oh my God, he's his father, you know? And then, (laughs) and then ultimately when that special aired, the rest of the world was like, uh, huh? I gotta. I bet I could try that. And then everybody in the whole world for like a year tried to moonwalk and didn't do it good. Oh no, no, no! That, and not a year. That that's <laughs> all of our high school experience. Of, <laughs> yeah, that phenomenon of people trying to moonwalk. There's a guy at work uh, who works in my maintenance department. He actually just brought this up not even all that long ago. We were having a conversation about Michael Jackson. We talk a lot about music, and he brought that up about how you know at that time. In the, you know, the early to mid 80s, everybody was like trying to do the moonwalk, but like nobody did it quite like Michael Jackson. That guy just looked like he was absolutely floating. I'm not, I'm not going to beat this into the ground, but I'm going to say two things. One, there was one person that we went to school with who could do the moonwalk flawlessly, Dean Mandel. Okay. And I remember watching him do it over and over again. I was like, darn it. And I can sometimes catch myself trying to do it in my kitchen. 
and it's 2022, <laughs> and I still can't do it. And when I do it, I can hear like, <laughs> in my back, in the background of my head, like Michael Jackson laughing at me from beyond the grave. Good taste prevails where my right ankle is completely uh. like just destroyed, and I wouldn't even attempt that. Just one, I don't want to look like an idiot. And two, I'd probably be limping for like an hour afterwards. So. Well, fortunately, the only person to judge me when I do it and do it badly is my dog. And she doesn't know the moonwalk, so she's like, that's great. Whatever yeah. you're doing is awesome. Can I have some food? <laughs> We're going to move on to March the 26th. We're about to get a history lesson from our friend, Mr. McLodge. Aren't we? Oh, yes. I'm going to bring this up. I'm going to talk a little bit about it, but you probably know more about it than I do because this is civics and that's not my strong suit. Uh, But anyway, March the 26th, 1812, real early on in American history, the term gerrymander is first used. Uh, Massachusetts Governor Elbridge, and that's his name, Elbridge, Elbridge Gerry, and he was later on a vice president, signed into law these new electoral district boundaries that were designed to enhance the incumbent party's election results, leading to some really weird-shaped legislative districts. If you looked at the map, the Boston Gazette newspaper published an article and a political cartoon comparing one district to a salamander, creating the term gerrymander from Jerry and Salamander. term is still in use today. It still describes the same terrible practice where the party in power every 10 years or so redraws all the voting districts for state and federal representation and then the governor typically rubber stamps those into existence so that the incumbent party can maintain their power and what you'll see is reason it's called uh, if you've ever seen the original elridge jerry districts and that he drew they sort of look like a salamander laid over a city map i'm actually looking at it right now yeah name really stuck and gerrymandering became a a sort of standard political practice in greatest democracy that the world has ever known or so we're told (laughs) Um, it's actually currently in the news because several states have have hit their 10-year mark and are going through the redistricting process the state that i live in is one of them much like 1812 our party in power has created districts that secure that party's power for the next 10 years, irrespective of population density. That is the nicest way that I can say that on the show, <laughs> without using yeah. several swears, forcing you to bleep out several words and or saying several terrible things. Yep. We try to stay out of uh, political opinions as much as we can on the show. You can go listen to any other podcast for that kind of a thing. There's no shortage of them. All right, and let's wrap up the week. March the 27th. What do you got? Ah, March the 27th, 1981. That's the opening track from Ozzy Osbourne's debut solo album, The Blizzard of Oz, a record I have never owned. <laughs> I don't think I've ever owned it either. I, I know it. Yep. You know, I'm looking at the the list right now, and I know every single song on this album, yep. just with the exception of like one or two, mm-hmm. and I've never owned it. Yep. Yeah, the opening track is not Crazy Train. It's I don't know. What is? What's the opening track? Is it? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think the reason I know that record so well, and I know that record pretty well, is because of uh, WHJY, who played pretty much every song in that record and is still playing every song in that record every two hours or so. Well, I mean, it's kind of an inescapable, too. I mean, even if you never owned it, you owned it by proxy. You know, I'm quite sure I know for a fact that some of my friends owned it. It is basically a who's who of Ozzy's songs. I mean, I Don't Know is the opening track, which sounds like an Abbott Costello sketch waiting to happen. Uh, (laughs) Then it's it's Crazy Train. Everybody knows that one. Goodbye to Romance. There's a staple. Yep. 
D, which is instrumental, I believe, with uh, Randy, Randy Rhodes, Rhodes going, yeah. going all classical guitar. Suicide Solution, yep. a huge one for the PMRC to yep. go all their cuckoo bananas on. Mr. Crowley, yep. another one for them to yeah, go. Yeah, go bananas on, yep. I don't know this one, but I kind of know the name of it. No Bone Movies, yep. Revelation, Mother Earth, mm-hmm. Steal Away the Night, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Apparently, this is a great album. I, every song that I listed, I like. I've just never owned it. It's one of the records that straddles the line between before heavy metal started to schism off and into sort of poppy heavy metal. It was still where heavy metal and hard rock were sort of joined at the hip. You could listen to this Ozzy Osbourne record right after listening to a Foreigner record. And it would be completely normal. And Foreigner is not. Yeah, it would make total sense. It would make right? total sense. And it, it, it just it wouldn't five years later. You'd be like, you listen enough. I want to know what love is. Now, after you listen to Bark the Moon, get out of my Camaro. But, <laughs> but, but like in 81, Matt, it fit in hard with rock and roll radio. Of Ozzy Osbourne's solo records, as cliched it is to say, it's the best record he did. And all of his records are good, but this one is the one that they're going to talk about when he finally, you know, shuffles off the mortal coil. Uh, the, so many of the songs from this album are still part of his set list whenever he, he manages the tour. I, like I said, I've never owned it, but apparently I've listened to it. It's kind of like when we talked about Michael Jackson's Thriller last year. I was like, yeah, I've never listened to this album, but I know every single song. (laughs) And I remember there's a couple of instances where I was at the record store with my mom. This is like 81, 82, and we'd be there buying records, or I had a gift certificate, or I had 20 bucks of birthday money or something, and I was going to buy something, and I'd be like, "Eh?" and I'd hold the record up and show her, and there's Ozzy like holding the crucifix, and she'd just look at me, and I'd be like... Yeah, I guess not. But it's one of those, I've picked that record up to buy a thousand times and I've never bought it once. (laughs) I remember because I went to Catholic school and, you know, in the 80s, the Satanic Panic and all that. This was one that they brought up over and over again because on the album cover, you know, Ozzy's got this like crucifix that he's holding kind of above his head. And they're like, look, he's getting ready to smash it on the ground because that's (laughs) the beginning of a Satanic ritual. It's like, you are making shit up as you go along, aren't you there, Padre? This week's episode of Twibbly is brought to you by Necessary Chances by Norman Duchesneau and published through Austin McCauley. Necessary Chances is a collection of 50 plus stories of actual events told exactly how they happened to the author. The stories span from more than 30 years in the field of law enforcement. As often as possible, the stories are told in a humorous manner because, well, we all deserve a laugh, don't we? The author hopes that this book might inspire one good man or woman to take up the shield someday. In today's world of miscommunication and misunderstanding, the author hopes that somehow, somewhere, a dialogue might open that wasn't there before. Necessary Chances has received 5 out of 5 star reviews on Amazon and Austin McCulley. Once again, thank you to Necessary Chances for sponsoring this week's episode, available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and through Austin McCauley Publishing. Links will be in the show notes. All right, moving on to the celebrity birthdays. March the 21st, 1962, American actor and everybody's favorite hooky player, Matthew Broderick. I remember him from such films as Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, come on. We we just talked about Project X a couple Project of weeks X. ago. Yeah, I'm trying to go through War Games. I'm trying to go through the ones that I remember. Oh, yeah, 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 War Games. That's where I first saw him in War Games, yeah. He was also in a, a movie with Marlon Brando, right before Marlon Brando died, which was very good, where he was smuggling exotic animals. Island of Dr. Moreau? <laughs> no. <laughs> he wasn't in that one. Brando was, though. 
That one I remember because I saw that one like a hundred times, but this one I've only seen once. It was called like The Apprentice or something. It was good. He was also in the 1998 Godzilla, which was terrible, but he was good in it. I was waiting for you to bring that one up. I'm surprised you didn't bring that one up first. Well, I'm trying to like suppress the memory of that movie. <laughs> Iguanzilla. But the only good thing in that film is Matthew Broderick. Very likable guy. He, he, he just seems like you could get along with him. All right, moving on. All right. March 22nd, 1931. William Shatner. Canadian actor, director, and recording artist. That pop star. Jeez, 1931, and he's old now. But he's been to space. He is uh, definitely the person that sort of defines 1960s television science fiction from his work on Twilight Zone, where he was in multiple episodes, and as Captain James Tiberius Kirk, who also shares the same birthday ah. as a character on classic Star Trek. And you know my favorite Shatner moment, right? Is it when he sings Rocket Man? No, it's when he sings... It's when he sings, I can't get behind that in a duet with Henry Rollins. Uh, I love that record. That's that phenomenal uh, record that Ben Folds produced. I have that. I listen to that all the time. That's a great song. I can't get behind a fat ass. (laughs) (laughs) Every song on that record is gold, if you ask me. But that's not his first record. Or his last. The first record he did is one called The Transformed Man, where he reads Shakespeare and does monologues, and then he does two really weird songs, which are totally worth looking up. One is Mr. Tambourine Man, where he screams, Mr. Tambourine Man! <laughs> and the other one is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, where he sounds like he's having a psychotic episode. Uh, and they I've are both, both of those, incredibly yeah. funny. And probably like the easiest trivia question of all time, William Shatner is the face of Michael Myers in the Halloween series. Yes, he is indeed the face yep. of Michael Myers in the Halloween series. Michael Myers' mask was a William Shatner latex mask, spray painted white, and they cut the eye holes bigger. But yep, that's Shatner. Uh, Moving on to the 23rd, rhythm guitar player and sometimes lead vocalist for The Cars. Born on March 23rd, 1944, Rick Ocasek. Oh, he was the first of the weird, tall, skinny rock and rollers who somehow managed to be on TV an awful lot. He also married Paulina Poroskova, that unbelievably beautiful Czechoslovakian model. The Cars, they were an early MTV band. They're from Boston. They're the local boys. I mean, they got their start in the 70s. They were also the winners of the very first Video Music Awards in 1984 for their You Might Think video. They were actually one of the, we come from that generation where, you know, we grew up listening to Kiss and then you get a little bit older and you start finding new music. And one of my first favorites was Adam and the Ants, but the Cars were right in there, too. I had a bunch of Cars albums really early on. I may be misremembering how we ended up with our Cars album, and it was either my brother Aaron, which is a possibility, or my dad, or possibly two of them going to a record store together. And I remember one of them saying, put this on, and had brought home that first Cars album. It sounded so different than what I was used to hearing on rock and roll radio. Like At the time, I was listening to a lot of the Beatles uh, as albums, and it was so different. It was different than what would become like British New Wave. It was different than stuff that was becoming popular rock, like Foreigner and uh, Triumph and Saga and stuff. It was just weird niche thing that I always associated with just, that's what Boston sounds like. Yeah, it's a very straight-ahead rock and roll sound, yeah. Real quick, do you have a favorite car song? I can, I could put on any of their songs and be happy. The only one that I'd sort of go, oh, again, is is You Might Think, because that's the one that I hear the mo- most often. It's the one that I'm least likely to go hunt down. One of my favorite songs from them is, it was a single, but it's not a single you hear as often as the rest, mm-hmm. is a song called Double Life yep. off the Candio album. 
Yep. All right, moving on to the 24th. March 24th. Eight- oh, my God, I'm watching a commercial on YouTube right now, and a guy just moonwalked right by. <laughs> it wasn't me. It, it, it wasn't good either. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the 24th. March 24th, 1874. Harry Houdini, escape artist. Harry Houdini, uh, born under the name Eric Weiss, uh, is born in Budapest in Austria-Hungary. You know why his name was Houdini? Because uh, he was honoring that famous 80s hip-hop band. <laughs> I thought you actually had the right answer. Um, no. no. There was a famous magician at the time, Houdin. Oh. And, uh, and yeah, Houdini took that name and just added an I at the end of it, basically. Hmm. And then later on, I don't remember the name of the book, but not in so many words, Harry Houdini wrote a book called Houdin is a Big Sucker. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> here's all the reason why this guy sucks. Yeah. He cannot escape from handcuffs, nor can he escape from rope. He cannot escape from a bag pulled over his head, nor can he escape from being dropped off a bridge. A couple of my favorite things about Harry Houdini is he started off as just a regular magician. Amazing with card tricks, apparently. Then he moved on to escape artist stuff. Yep. And he did escape one time. You've probably seen video or pictures of it where he's suspended upside down over the streets of, I think it was Chicago. Yep. Like five stories up. Right. And everybody just thought that was like such a marvel. And Houdini said, okay, a couple of things. One, my feet are strapped into that board. So he goes, what difference does it make if I'm five stories up or five feet off the ground? I'm not falling. I'm not going anywhere. He goes, and furthermore, escaping from a a straitjacket is easier when you're upside down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure there are pictures of him doing uh, the same stunt off the Fairhaven New Bedford Bridge. I know I've seen those. I know he he did stuff in the city. You know what? I don't know if it was Fairhaven New Bedford. I think it was a cushion in New Bedford because I remember my father. Oh, oh, okay. Where the cushion of sawmills are over the or, or were, I should say. Yeah, down the street from me. I remember my father telling me that Harry Houdini performed over there. And meanwhile, I'm like, how the hell do you know? You were born, like, after he died. Right. But- I used to have a, a pet white mouse whose nickname was Houdini. Actually, his name name was Houdini. Because no matter what I did, he could get out of his cage. But he never went far. He used to just get out of his cage and then curl up next to the cage. It's like, show me he could get out at any time, but didn't want to go anywhere. And then you would start saying, the freeze come out ahead. <laughs> and I would be like, all right, Houdini. And he'd hop in my hand. I'd put it back in the cage and he'd like run around in circles and play in the shavings. And then I'd go to bed and the next morning he'd be sleeping next to the cage. And then you punched him in the stomach. I did. <laughs> all right. So next up on March the 25th, 1947, Reginald Dwight, better known to the world as Sir Elton John. Or as I call him, the pinball wizard. Yes. I'm a big Elton John fan, but more like the 1970s Elton John. Yes. You know, whenever whenever he's young and hungry, so to speak. Yeah, I like that, I like those years better, like Crocodile Rock and The Bitches Back. I, I tell people that the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album, that's a must-have. That that is an album that belongs in your record collection, right alongside Dark Side of the Moon and Led Zeppelin Four. It's just as good as those albums. Yeah. And unlike Dark Side of the Moon, later in his career. He would put out the Candle in the Wind song, which got played 465 trillion times. That song is actually on the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album. Is it really? Oh. And then he did a live version of it because he put out a live album. And that's the one that oh, became that's the one. Huge, yeah, that's the one that, that became like, the huge single. Yeah. And then whenever Princess Diana died, he retooled the lyrics that instead of it being about Marilyn Monroe, it would be about Princess Diana. Yeah. I just heard this funny story about Elton John. He met 
with, you know, at a party somewhere really early in his career, uh, he met Groucho Marx. Mm -hmm. And Groucho Marx kept giving him all sorts of hell about his name. He goes, Elton John? No, you must have that name backwards. Elton must be your last name. It's John Elton, right? It's John Elton. And he goes, no, it's Elton John. Nah, you got it backwards. It's John Elton. And he kept on pestering and pestering him and all that. And then finally, Elton John just threw his arms up in the air and said, look, don't shoot me. I'm just a piano player, which <laughs> later on became a name of one of his albums. Yeah, that's funny. Going back, like, again, to the records that I like of his, you know, like Rocket Man and Shatner also sang that. Song. Yes, he did. <laughs> As we tie that back to good old William Shatner. All right. What do we got for the 26th? March 26, 1976, American actress Amy Smart who has not been in a ton of stuff, but the stuff that she's been in has been memorable. Yeah, I think I've only seen one movie with her in it. She was in Road Trip with uh, with Tom Green and some other people. <laughs> I like that movie. That movie's fine, but not a very memorable cast. She was in uh, Crank and Crank 2, two of the most ridiculous and hilarious action movies ever made she's she plays jason statham's sort of long-suffering girlfriend who sacrifices her herself so that he can keep his heart rate above like 100 in the first film and can refill the batteries that are keeping his heart pumping in the second film and she's really funny and clearly is a good sport for what she has to do in those films but she's really funny those movies are a, a hoot oh and she was in just friends with ryan reynolds that movie's funny hmm yes Okay. Oh, look at that. Look at her wiki now. She was also the... Boy, she does. She is a good sport, I guess. Because she was also in Varsity Blues. She was the one with the ice cream sundae on her oh, on her, right. on her goodies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and then wrapping up the week, March the 27th, 1971, Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Um, who you might know from Firefly and Serenity and... Uh, some other stuff. I'm not really familiar with this guy. Oh, he's he's a TV actor mostly. He was in. Uh, he's he's currently on Castle, which I think is still on. He's like a crime writer who works with a detective to solve crimes because yep. you know crime writers. Um, he was also in Firefly. He did a short stint on Buffy the Vampire Slayer when Firefly got canceled, and he's done a ton of voiceover work for things like Justice League Unlimited and some of the DC Comics uh, animated features. Okay. Okay, that's why I didn't recognize his face. It seems like he's more of a voice actor. Okay. He, he, well, again, he's been on Castle for a long time, so that shows that show's been running for like at least ten years. If it's if, and I'm pretty oh, sure it's no still kidding. on. Yeah, it's been that show's been on for a while. He's a good actor. He tends to be pretty funny. He was good in Firefly, even if that show only lasted one season, and still gets a lot of love from the fan community. Yeah, I actually just brought my brother Ray uh, a T-shirt of Firefly for his birthday this year. Hey, you know what else I bought my brother? No. Worst song ever. One of my favorite things to do to torture the people that I work with mm. is I like finding songs by popular bands that don't really fit into their niche, so to speak, you know? Right. So, like, I remember I had made a playlist and, like, I was playing Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon by Queen. Yeah. Which is, which is bizarre. And the girl was like, what are you listening to? I'm like, that's Queen. You know, they're very popular. Isn't that Queen the doing next... the kinks, right? And Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon is a kink song. Uh, Lazing on a Sunday Afternoon. Uh, no, 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 no. It's... I go out to work on Monday morning. Tuesday I go off to honeymoon. I'll be back again before 
a very weird song. Oh, okay. And then, like, the next song would be My World from Guns N' Roses. You want to step into my world? It's a social psychotic state of bliss. You've been delayed in the real world. How many times have you hit and missed? You know, just, you know, real oddball songs like that. And then there's this. <laughs> Anybody who says they like Devo... Mm-hmm doesn't like Devo for the most part. Or they're like the uh, Devo's Greatest Hits fans, like I am. Like, my entire Devo collection is Devo's Greatest Hits. I'm a little bit more than that. I have a few Devo albums. One of the Devo albums I have was the soundtrack to a video game called Adventures of the Smart Patrol. Right. And it has this. <laughs> No, I can see why you see the playlist with this. I can I can already see it. <laughs> I know why. I know exactly. You and I, Bill, we share a brain sometimes, and this is one of those yeah. times. Yeah, this is one of those songs that I don't think you can actually say you like with a straight face, but I do. Yeah. I do like the song, and I understand how not of a song this is. Yeah. Yep. I listened to it because I had never heard this before. Again, I'm not a Devo Deep Cuts guy. And I had never heard this song before. And you sent it to me and I was like, huh. And I've got it on in the background while I'm getting ready for the show, pulling my show notes together. And I'm like, is this just an instrumental? And I had to go back and like really listen to hear Mark Mother's voice, Boogie Boy. There are actual lyrics all distorted and buried underneath all the different layers of music. And I was like, that's weird. The clip that I used, the, the clip that I use actually has you know, much clearer lyrics. The ones I, the one I sent you, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't send you a very good one. No, no, yeah. I didn't care. Yeah. I was, I was totally on board. That's going on playlists that I make now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Devo was a very odd band. They came out of Akron, Ohio, and yeah. I've been to Akron, Ohio, and I think there was like a CC's pizza there and little else, mm -hmm. you know, although I think the pretenders were that from there too. Divio's always been like a very weird, very experimental band. I arguably, I'm going to put their, their version of Satisfaction as superior to the Rolling Stones original. Yeah. Funny story about Devo was I was walking around a Comic-Con and I saw this older man and a young kid, like a grandfather and a grandson. Right, right, right. And they were both wearing the Power Dome hats on. Yes. And, and then there was like a third guy that just had like a regular hat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to take a picture with you guys because my friend's birthday is tomorrow, actually. And he's a huge Devo fan. I want to. Can I get a picture? Right. Right. The old man looks at the younger guy and goes, should we tell him? And I was like, what? He goes, hi. And the guy goes, hi, I'm in Devo. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. His name, they call him Josh, too. Mm -hmm. He took the place of uh, Bob, too, when Bob, too, oh, died. Okay. Yeah. He's like, he doesn't make the albums with them and stuff like that, but he's part of the touring band. Yeah, he's in Devo. Oh, that's Really so cool funny. guy, too. Yeah. That is so yeah. funny. And, and I still run into the grandfather every once in a while, and they they always say hi and stuff oh, like that's that. That's very yeah. cool. 
I know that in listening to this weird song, it reminded me of a couple of things. And again, I heard the one with the super distortion. I had to go find a yeah. clip of Mark Mothersbaugh's Boogie Boy doing this live with some band named Fart Barf, which is a fantastic name for, for a band. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, I might have laughed way too hard at the name Fart Barf the, to really make sense of it. But but I went through it and I listened to it. One, it's a really interesting, cool kind of cool song. And two, when it's super distorted, it reminds me of like the cuts that I like on weird-ass Radiohead records. So... Again, I'm going to be working this into playlists that I make on my. I want to transpose my, uh, it, learn it on the, uh, learn it on my ukulele. <laughs> well, that would be the weirdest thing. Yes, but yeah, I bet you should. Yeah. You, you should do that. So anyway, well, there's a conversation to be had about like if you are fortunate enough to be in the presence of Bill or I, and we are setting the tone with music, you can guarantee, guarantee, you could bet money. I'd, I'd, I'd wager high if I was you. That at some point in that string of songs, there will be something in there specifically to draw a reaction out of the crowd. And I, you know, Bill, you you've pulled this one, the "You Got Me Bugged" song. Uh, what other ones in your repertoire do you like to drop on people, uh, un- oh. unbeknownst to them? Another Devo song called "Mechanical Man." I'm a mechanical Man. I'm a mechanical Man. Two mechanical arms. Two mechanical legs. I'm a two plus two equals one. Nice. I like to drop in uh, our you know friend of the show, legendary Stardust Cowboy. Uh, yes. Either former worst song ever. Yeah, uh, former worst song ever. Either either par- paralyzed, paralyzed, or um, the one that David Bowie did a cover on uh, of "I Took a Ride on a Gemini Spacecraft," which is the most insane song I've ever heard. But uh, <laughs> like you do it I, again, I I love the song not because it's musical because it's not not because it has any great insight into the universe because it doesn't. Nope. And it's it's generally stupid, but it's because the other people it's gonna take a minute for them to be like, what the what the hell are you listening to? Why is this guy bucking like a chicken? What yeah. why does it, what does he say? Japanese spaceship? It's Gemini spacecraft. That's not how Gemini's pronounced. Like, hey man, I am not the legendary Stardust Cowboy. But like with this song too, like you want to wait for someone to, to just realize that they're what what is this? This is not what I expected, you know. And then you say it's Devo. Don't you make believe you like Devo? Right. Yeah. Oh, Whip It, right? Remember them? Whoosh, whoosh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Whip yeah. It Good. Same band. But uh, very, very cool. I, I thought this was a great pick. And uh, as for Worst Song Ever, it is one of the best Worst Song Ever's ever because it's one of the best song ever for Worst Song Ever. <laughs> so it's, it's the yin and yang of why we do this. All right. So before we wrap up the show proper, I do have my very popular and always well-received trivia question. Oh, man. If you were going to go to Walmart and buy their most popular product, what are you walking out of there with? What am I walking out of Walmart with yeah. as their most what popular product? What is the most product? popular product that Walmart sells? Part of me wants to go super logical and say paper towels. That is the most boring answer that I can imagine. Uh, well, the answer is pretty boring, and that's not it. Oh, all right. Well, then paper towels it is. You're wrong. Oh, uh, I should have saved this. I should have had this question a couple of weeks ago when we had our monkey episode because the most popular thing that they sell at Walmart is bananas. Oh, I thought you were going to like say like monkey repellent, which makes way more sense to me for some reason than bananas. Monkey chow. Yeah. What's well, it's, it's, again? Reason. We've only had a Walmart with groceries in it here in Derry for like five or six years. So I still don't associate oh, yeah. them with foodstuffs too much. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Walmarts, because like I said, I go to Florida quite a bit. The Walmarts down south are way different than they are up here, yeah. Like department store, it was like Zayers. 
<laughs> that, that, yeah. That's an old reference for those who don't know. Zares. Back at the mall. Zares, Back at the mall going to Zares, yeah. <laughs> Zares was like the low-rent Kmart, which was the low-rent Sears, which was also in the mall, but the Kmart wasn't. Yeah, that that's a pretty low-rent when you're the low-rent Kmart, yeah. Right. <laughs> so... That is going to wrap up this week. Go down to Walmart, get yourself a bunch of bananas, and come back in seven days for next week's episode. Yes. We have no bananas. Right. Yeah. We have no bananas. All right. Say goodnight, Jeff. Goodnight, Jeff. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. A special thanks to James Costa for our theme music. Find us or message us on Facebook or Instagram at Twibley or T-W-W-W-B-L-Y. Subscribe if you haven't already and tell your friends. Because friends don't let friends listen to those other podcasts.